Before we get into the message for today, I want to make just a couple of comments about the gospel reading for this morning. On page 10 of your bulletin, uh, take a look at verse 40. The words of our Lord, For this is the will of my Father. Now contrast that with verse 49. Again, the words of our Lord, Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. And notice Jesus does not say our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, but your fathers. It, it is interesting that Jesus never refers to Abraham or Isaac or Jacob as his father. He has one father, even God. And I think it's, it's interesting. We, we confess the true humanity of Jesus. In fact, he's more human than you and I. He is without sin. He's, he's like Adam, in, in a sense, in that pristine state before the fall. That's truly human, see. His human nature comes from his mother. His divine nature, he's fully God and fully man. His divine nature comes, of course, from his heavenly Father. And both are necessary, the divinity and the humanity of Jesus are necessary for our salvation. It's, it's interesting, Jesus never refers to the patriarchs as his father. He won't even refer to his adoptive father, Joseph, as his father. Now, he may have done that in private, but it's not recorded in Scripture. It's interesting. And then verse 44, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. This and many other verses are the reason why we Lutherans confess correctly, according to Scripture, that you cannot decide for Jesus. You cannot come to him apart from his drawing you. That's absolutely essential. Salvation, we say, is totally the work of God. Uh, perdition or damnation is totally the result of man's work. Salvation is totally the result of God's. Luther said, this is his explanation to the third article of the Creed, I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in the Lord Jesus Christ or come to him, but the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the one true faith. It's all God's work. Salvation is totally from beginning to end the work of God. It's not cooperative with man. We resist. God draws. We pray. Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the thoughts of our hearts be acceptable to you through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. So death has been defined medically as A, the absence of heartbeat, that's cardiac arrest, B, the absence of respiration or breathing, and C, the fixed dilation of the pupils, which indicates a lack of brain function. But even when those three signs are evident in a patient, the individual cells of the body, the brain cells, the internal organ cells, the muscle cells, and so on, 
they are still alive. Now it's true, those, once the heart stops, those cells are no longer receiving the oxygen and the nutrients that they need to survive in the long term. But they've only begun to die. They're not yet dead. And those cells can remain alive for several hours after the heart has stopped beating. Therefore, if you can keep the body cold, you can slow down cell deterioration. And if you apply CPR or other resuscitation techniques, there is this window of opportunity in which you can bring the person back to life, even after the heart has stopped beating <clears throat> and breathing has ceased. Now the problem is many medical professionals are not trained in the most advanced resuscitation techniques, and so I read that hospitals are under financial pressure to limit CPR. So Roman numeral one, page 11 of your bulletin, death is not an event that you can nail down to a specific moment. It's a process, a process that is sometimes reversible. And letter A, that then encompasses resuscitation uh, research. And since I believe around 1960, we've learned a lot about resuscitation and CPR, and, and there are other techniques as well. And I also mentioned, because I think it's interesting, letter B, the blue zone studies. Uh, how many people here know what a blue zone is? Do you know? Okay, a few of you. Two or three. Okay. Well, let me inform you, okay? Uh, a blue zone is a geographical area on the planet where the people live not only longer than you and I here in America, but they live healthier lives as well. Uh, they're active. They continue working. They're in their 90s. They're in their hundreds. They're still moving around. They're still working. Uh, most often, they follow a plant-based diet. You know, they, they eat meat, they eat pork, uh, they'll eat fish, uh, but it's mostly plant-based diet. Uh, they are usually connected to some sort of community. Uh, they are uh, related with people. They have relationships where they're cared for and they care for other people as well. And so, oh, and there's also very often a spiritual connection as well. They believe in a higher power of some sort, and they rely upon that higher power for help. So I mentioned these A and B points because I think it speaks to this issue that all of us have this innate desire to live and not die, right? We want to live. We want to hold back death and poor health as long as possible. Now, you may hear people speak in this way. Well, death, you know, it's just part of life. We have to accept death. And people who speak that way mean well. They speak that way because they are trying to make death seem less ominous. They're trying to erase 
the fear of death. But theologically, Roman numeral two, death is not part of life. It's not part of life. We read in Genesis that all God made was very good. Death was not part of the creation. Rather, death is the undoing of the creation. God formed man from the dust of the ground, and death is returning him to dust because of sin. It's undoing the creation. It's not part of it. So, letter A, death is the penalty for sin. St. Paul wrote, the wages of sin is death. What you get fairly and squarely in return for sin is death. God imposed death upon the creation as the penalty for sin. But it's not part of life. It's not part of God's creation. Letter B, life that is subject to death is not true life. It's not true life. That is to say, the life we live today is not the life God created us to live. The life we live today is not the life that God intended for us to live. This life is under the reign, it's under the the rule of death. That's not God's intention eternally. So Roman numeral three, true life, true life is native to God alone or it's proper to God alone. It belongs to him alone. Peter said to Jesus in Matthew 16, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. The living God. He is the living one. You know, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. It's not bread with an expiration date. It's living. Life is inherent in it. Now, here in Indiana, we live and we all live in a forest. We live in what is called the Eastern Deciduous Forest. Deciduous means the trees drop their leaves. Even the evergreens, they drop their needles. This is the Eastern Deciduous Forest. And and it extends from the Eastern Seaboard through Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Ohio, Tennessee, Alabama, Indiana, Illinois, Iowa, Missouri. But then when you come to Kansas, the forest stops. You you come to the Great Plains and the trees of this place are not native there. They don't grow there naturally. Now you can plant trees there, water them quite a bit, and they'll, they'll do great. But they are not native to there. Now, in the same way, life, true life, is not native to us. Life is native to God. And life must be given to us. That's letter A. This life, this true life, 
can only be given, it is never earned. It's never earned. Paul wrote in Romans 6, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the gift, you see. It's given. We made the point last week that we are all contingent beings, meaning we are dependent upon someone else for our lives. We don't live in and of ourselves. Life is given to us. God is the living God. He's not dependent on someone else. Life is native to him. Letter B. This life is available to us only in the flesh of Jesus. Only in the flesh of Jesus. Christ's flesh hanging on the cross is what saves you. Believing that is to be saved. Christ's flesh hanging on the cross is the basis of your forgiveness. Believing that is to be forgiven. Point number one, life is native to the Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning alongside God. And then John writes this, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, you see. Life is native to him. Therefore, life is his to give. It is his to give to all who lack it. And number two, the word becomes flesh in the person of Jesus. John 1.14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And point number three, his flesh is given for the life of the world. And apart from his flesh, there is no life. Verse 53, this is in next week's gospel lesson. We, we spend three Sundays in a row in John 6. Verse 53, Jesus says, again, the words of our Lord, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. You have no life in you. Now, if God wants to give us life, we lack it. And if he wants to give it, he has to place it somewhere. He has to make it available somewhere. And he makes it available in the flesh of his Son. And to believe in him is to consume his flesh. It is to drink his blood. Letter C, this life is indestructible. It's indestructible, or we could say it's eternal. And it's yours in Christ. This true life never ends, and it exists alongside this present life. Every Christian lives two lives. You live a life that is subject to death, and simultaneously, 
You live a new life that is immune to death. And even when this present life ceases, your true life continues. Even when your heart stops beating, even when you stop breathing, even when your last cell has finally completely died, this life continues. Through his own death and resurrection, Jesus has erased death. He's erased it so completely that he doesn't even use the term death anymore. He says things like, he speaks in very strange ways. He says, our friend Lazarus is sleeping, but I must go and wake him up. <laughs> wink, wink, nod, nod. Okay. He says, the little girl is not dead, she is sleeping. Now, why does he speak that way? Because just as you and I awaken the dead with a word, or we awaken those who sleep with a word, he awakens the dead with a word, his powerful word. His words, as we've said, they do what they say. The biblical definition of death is not cardiac arrest. The biblical definition of death is the separation of the soul from the body. And, and you can't say exactly when that occurs. We don't know. The body sleeps in the grave. The soul goes to be with the Lord, awaiting the return of the Lord. When he speaks to all who are in their graves, we hear his voice and we come out. Resurrection is the reunion of the soul and the body forever. When Jesus uses the term death in the Gospels, he's often referring to a spiritual condition of those who refuse to believe. For example, he will say, in response to a man who wants to follow him, but he must go bury his dead father first, what does Jesus say? He says, let the dead bury their own dead. You come and follow me. See, death is a spiritual condition to Jesus. Resuscitation research, blue zone studies, the endless drug advertisements on television, they all bear witness to our fear of death and our desire to overcome it. Jesus has overcome death for us all. I am the living bread that came down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. If anyone eats this bread or believes in me, he will live forever. My friends, the life you receive from Jesus is not subject to death. It is beyond the reach of death. It is true life for which there is no death. The life of Jesus is not just something you read about historically, his life is not encased in the past. It's not limited to the first century. His life is present in us today. His life is what you participate in now, and it is what will sustain you for eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.